Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, we continue where we left off. Shabbos, page 150a, the Mishnah. Next Monday, we will be making a siyum, concluding the second track date, Shabbos. Very exciting. So, A person is not allowed to hire workers on Shabbos. Even, even if you hire them to do work for after Shabbos, and even if you don't mention a fee, but nevertheless, it says in the Prophet that you're not allowed to pursue your own business on Shabbos. It's not biblical, but it's rabbinic, or, or maybe an enactment by the Prophet, so you can't pursue your own business on Shabbos. And he says, You're not allowed to ask your friend, hire workers for him. The mother will ask, obviously, if, just like you're not allowed to hire, pursue business on Shabbos, your friend is not allowed to either. So if you're asking him to violate Shabbos, it's like you're, you're violating, you're not allowed to put a stumbling block before a blind person. You're causing him to do a sin. So why, why, why would the mission even have to teach it? Why would I think it would be allowed? But he has to tell me you're not allowed. You're not allowed to go wait nightfall at the Shabbos boundary, there's a Shabbos, you're limited, you're like quarantined, every Shabbos you're quarantined, how far are you allowed to go? So you're not allowed to walk on Shabbos and go to the border, so immediately you should go afterwards, so immediately afterwards you should go to, uh, to hire workers after mm-hmm. Shabbos. Right. So, in other words, you don't want to waste time, so as soon as Shabbos is over, you want to be able to um, go and hire what you need. So you're not allowed to put yourself at the, at the boundary in order for something you're going to do after Shabbos. For an activity that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. The truth is anything you're not allowed to do, anything that you're not allowed to do anything on Shabbos that prepares you to do something an activity that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. So you're going to the border just to save time. What's the whole purpose? The whole purpose is just to save time. So you should be able to hire workers right after Shabbos, which is an activity you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. I can't do the activity that helps me do an activity that's prohibited on Shabbos. but. Maybe paid is beyond day, but I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to go to the border, so I should be close, so I should be able to, the minute Shabbos is over, I can leave the border to protect and to watch my fruits. My fruits that I own, my orchards, my fruit. Yeah, you're allowed to do on Shabbos. I'm allowed to watch my fruits on Shabbos. That's not forbidden, that's not business. So if I'm doing an activity to prepare me for an activity that I'm allowed to do on Shabbos, it's okay. So yes, I'm walking to the border because I can't go past this boundary. And the moment Shabbos is out, I'm going to go past the boundary to watch my fruits. Fine. So you're doing an activity on Shabbos to prepare you for an activity you're allowed to do on Shabbos? So that, that's not a problem. So can I walk to the bus stop before Shabbos is over? Okay. Klal Amar Abishol gave a rule. Oh. The rule is, Kol Shani Zake Bamidase, 
Anything that I'm allowed to tell my friend or a non-Jew to do on Shabbos, so I myself am allowed to ta- make a, a, take an activity, go, take an action, and go to the border to be able to do that. And the Gemara will explain what's he coming to add. Any activity I'm allowed to tell someone to do on Shabbos for me, so I myself am allowed to go to the border to wait till nightfall to go ahead and do this. Obviously, if you're allowed to do it on Shabbos, if you're allowed to tell a non-Jew to do it for you on Shabbos, so why shouldn't you be allowed to go to the He's saying even things you're allowed to tell a Jew or non-Jew to do for you after Shabbos. They can't do it on Shabbos, but I'm allowed to tell them on Shabbos, do it after Shabbos. Then anything I can tell a non-Jew or a Jew to do for me after Shabbos, I'm allowed to go to the border to wait till the moment Shabbos is out to go ahead and do that. The Gemara will explain What's he referring to? Okay, that's the mission. Mm-hmm. Obviously, why is the mission coming to t- t- teach me? First, he says you're not allowed to rent out workers to work for you after Shabbos. And then he says you're not allowed to tell your friend, go ahead and hire workers for me for after Shabbos. Obviously, whatever you're not, you're not allowed to, it's a prohibition on you, it's a prohibition on your fellow Jew. Mm-hmm. Why would I think it would be allowed? We're talking about to tell a non-Jew. The non-Jew is allowed to hire workers. There's no prohibition. So he's coming to teach us that you're not allowed to tell a non-Jew to do something for you that you're not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. We already learned that already. We already learned earlier. That if a non-Jew comes, you have a fire, and a non-Jew comes, you're not allowed to tell the non-Jew, go extinguish the flame. You can't tell a non-Jew to do anything you're not allowed to do in Shabbos. If he comes on his own, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to stop him, you don't have to encourage him. But you're not allowed to directly, explicitly tell him, go extinguish the flames for me. Can't do that. So we already know this concept. So this mission is coming to teach me again, the same concept. Mm-hmm. Ravashi says, no, our mission is talking about a Jew. I feel the same Chavet Yisrael. Talking about telling a fellow Another Jew. Another Jew. Another Jew. So what's, what's he coming to teach me? Why would I even think that it would be permitted? He has to tell me not allowed to. Kamashma is coming to teach me. A person is not allowed to tell his friend. Yes, you're not allowed to tell your friend to hire, hire for me workers. But you to tell your friend, come with me and stand at the border. Mm-hmm. You think you think you can you can I can meet you at the border when when Shabbos comes out? Even though everyone knows that what he means is I want to hire you to work right after Shabbos. But since he doesn't say it clearly, explicitly, he's just thinking it. Because 
when the rabbi said you're not allowed to speak about, it's a rabbinic prohibition, you're not allowed to speak about on Shabbos, anything you're not allowed to do on Shabbos, you're not allowed to speak about. Biblically, the whole prohibition is on Shabbos, the Torah only prohibits action. You're not allowed to do action. You know, I can't do something on Shabbos. But to speak about something I'm not allowed to do on Shabbos, speaking is not a problem. Because why? Because Hashem created the world in six days and the seventh day rested. So Hashem created, He took action. So any action is forbidden on a Jew. Any creative work you're not allowed to do. But to speak about, let's say I'm going to speak about the house I'm going to build. Mm-hmm. Biblically there's no problem. Rabbinically it's prohibited. Why? Why did the rabbis prohibit? If the Torah doesn't have it. Because Hashem created the world through his speech. Yes, Hashem it took action. He created the world. But how did Hashem create the world? By speaking. Hashem didn't have hands, doesn't have hands. Hashem spoke and it came into being. So therefore, just like Hashem rested, what did Hashem rest from? Not only he rested from his action, he rested from his speech. Speaking about... Mm-hmm. So six days he was speaking about the, the, the creative work and then the seventh day he rested from even speaking. So rabbinically, the rabbi says, you also have to emulate Hashem. It's not enough that you don't do work on, on Shabbos. You shouldn't even speak about work on Shabbos. Anything you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to even speak of. But you're allowed to think about business on Shabbos, your personal business on Shabbos. There's no uh, rabbinic prohibition about thinking about things you want to do after Shabbos. You want to be a chassid. A chassid doesn't even think about uh, anything you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. But that's only chassidus. But, the, but there's no legal requirement. Rabbinically not required. No why? The question is why? Hashem also, just like he created the world with his speech, Hashem also thought about the world and the world came into being. So Hashem also rested from thinking. If you want to emulate Hashem, emulate all the way. Don't even think about anything mundane uh, on, on Shabbos. But the answer is because our speech somehow resembles Hashem's speech. Because speech is somehow connected to action. Even in a human being. The king says, the boss says, and it gets done. You tell someone to do something, and, and you do it. So speech, also speech, you're moving your lips, it's an action. So speech and action are very close together. So you could understand, even though Hashem speak, we speak and nothing happens, Hashem speaks and He creates, but nevertheless, our, even our speech somehow resembles Hashem's speech. When it comes to thought, it says, Our thought doesn't resemble Hashem's thoughts. No way. Because Hashem thinks and things happen. We think and no one even knows what we're thinking. Not only nothing doesn't happen, there's no connection from thought to action. So therefore, even though Hashem rested from thought, even thinking about business and Shabbos, there's no rabbinic obligation not to think about business and Shabbos. So when you tell a person, you want to stand with me next to the border? I never mentioned business. I never mentioned hiring. I just told him, come, let's stand together by the border. Of course, he understands what you mean. Mm-hmm. Because the moment after Shabbos, I'm going to hire you, and, we're going to go and, uh, and you're going to work for me. Mm-hmm. But since you never said it explicitly, it's only thinking it, that's not a prohibition. Hmm. That's the mission that's coming to be. That all your friend, you only not, not, the only prohibition of your friend is you're not allowed to tell him explicitly, hire workers for me. But if you don't say it explicitly, you just tell him, come, let's stand by the border, even though it's implicit, that's not prohibited. Hmm. Tanakama says, you're not allowed to tell your friend, come, come stand with me. 
but Rabbi Shmuel ben Karcha argues that you are allowed to. On Shabbos. On Shabbos. That's the law. Explain my time What's the reasoning? What's the reason? Why is it allowed? Explicitly, you're not allowed to tell him, but implicitly, you are allowed to like hire him. You're hiring him implicitly, mm-hmm. but not as long as you don't do it explicitly. Why? Because it says in the passing, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to go about your business and don't speak mm-hmm. anything of Shabbos. You're not allowed to speak about business on Shabbos. You're not allowed to speak about anything. You're not allowed to do on Shabbos. You're not allowed to speak of it on Shabbos. But to think of it, you are allowed to. Did Rabbi Echnan indeed say that you're not allowed to speak, but you're allowed to think? Alma, what do we see from that? If that's the case, that means thinking is not the same as speaking. Mm-hmm. Speaking is speaking, and thinking is thinking. It's two different things. Hirur, don't forget, is a type of thought. Hirur is the lowest level of thought. Hirur is, I'm thinking the same word that I'm saying, I'm thinking. Thought per se is a whole different level. Thought is, you know, you, th- you think in one minute, it takes you five minutes to express in words. Thought is very, is very you're not even th- focusing on the words. Hitter means like I'm thinking the words. It's like I'm, I would be thinking the words of the Mishnah, exact same words. I'm thinking the words of the Davani, the exact same words. So it's, it's, it's already speech, it's already been formulated in my mind. Before you speak, you formulate it in your mind. That's hitter. So it's the lowest level of, 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 of thinking. But he says, he's saying that Hidr and Dibur are two separate things. Thinking and speaking are two separate things. That comes from the throat, right? Yeah, that's speaking. And, and just thinking the words that you're about to say, that's Hidr. Yeah. So you're saying that Hidr and Dibur are not the same. But how could you say that? Rabbi Yechon said in the name of Rabbi Yechon, and he himself said... You're allowed to think words of Torah every place. Except, you're not allowed to think. Not only aren't you allowed to speak words of Torah in a bathhouse or in a bathroom, you're not allowed to even think. So we see from there that thinking words of Torah is the same as speaking. So why do you make it so? Why, when it comes to Shabbos, do you make it? Do you differentiate between speaking and thinking? And the mother shiny awesome there is different. The Be'in and it says why It says your camp should be holy. That's why the soldiers, when they went out to war, it says their camp had to be holy and they had to, they had to go to the bathroom, they had to find a space out, they had to walk away from the camp and and and, and relieve themselves outside of the camp. They had to take a shovel to cover up, uh, you know, if they defecated, they have to take a shovel to cover it up because you have to be holy. Hashem is present. Hashem is not present. You can't have Hashem's presence in this ugly, disgusting uh, situation. So over here it says, And it says in that verse that you will not see a shameful thing. Dover. So Dover, you're not allowed to speak. You're not allowed to speak words of Torah. In the beginning it says, it doesn't say dub. 
that your, your play should be holy. Why should your plays be holy? Why is it important that you have to leave the camp to, to, to defecate or to urinate to go, to go to the bathroom? Because Jews, the soldiers, were constantly thinking words of Torah. And you can't think words of Torah in a bathroom. So if your camp is going to become one bad, big bathroom, everyone's going to go out, out of their tent and, 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 and go to the bathroom. You won't be able to think words of Torah. But the Gemara asks, wait a minute. It also says Dover. Dover means speech. So why don't you say, just like you said by Shabbos, that only speech is prohibited. You're not allowed to speak business on Shabbos, your personal business, but you're allowed to think. Why don't you say the same thing? It says in that very same verse, at the end of that verse, which says your camp should be holy, it says you shouldn't see anything, anything shameful. Dover. So why don't you say that only speech is prohibited in a bathhouse, in the bathroom, but the thinking words of Torah should be allowed in the bathroom. You should be allowed to think words of Torah in the bathroom or in the bathhouse. Mm-hmm. And for the Gemara, the Gemara answers, no, ahumi that we need for the Rabbi Huda, like Rabbi Huda taught. I'm Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, akum, arum, asr, likris, A non-Jew who is naked, you're not allowed to read Shema if you're facing his nakedness. And, and, and it doesn't matter if he's behind a glass, a glass won't help you, because I can see it. I can see, if I see his nakedness, even, so it, even though he's in this, uh, it's, it's, it's like a separate room, but mm-hmm. there's a glass room, if I see it, I'm not allowed to say anything holy. Why, why, why only a non-Jew? I feel Yisrael Nami. Even a Jew. Think about boy Not only Loimi boy Yisrael Dazer. Not only a Jew is prohibited. I would think a Goy. That their flesh is like the flesh of a donkey, meaning, just like a donkey walks around naked. So you're talking about Goyim, who are very, if they have very loose morals, and they don't mind walking naked in the street. Hmm. They're proud of it. <laughs> so you would think, so it's like, it's like if a donkey is there, am I allowed to say smile? the donkey is there? A donkey is naked. Donkey doesn't wear clothes. That's not the problem. So if a person who lives like an animal, has the same values of an animal, is proud of his nakedness, so he doesn't mind. So maybe it's no big deal. Maybe I should treat it. I can read the Shema even, even if I'm facing a naked uh, non-Jew who doesn't care about, has no shame, has no modesty. Right. Boasts about his immodesty. Or her immodesty. So that's why, the Torah, that's why he says, No, it doesn't matter. Jew, non-Jew, no matter what his morals, loose morals, you're not allowed to say the Shema or anything holy in front of a naked person. Mm-hmm. How do you know? Maybe not. Maybe Where do you know this from? Maybe the prohibition is only against the Jew who's taught modesty and therefore nakedness is a, is, is a, is a desecration. But someone who acts like an animal and is proud of his nakedness then maybe, maybe it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. It says, It says that when they covered Noah's nakedness, Ham came to report about Noah's nakedness, shame and Yefes came to, to cover him, 
and they turned away. They didn't want to look and see his nakedness. So you see that even a nundru, Noah was a nundru, but even a nundru, there is such a thing as shame. Mm-hmm. Just because the person is shameless, it's still a shame. It's a shamda. <laughs> it's an objective fact. Just because the guy is clueless, or she's clueless, and she walks around naked in the streets, it doesn't mean it's still shameful. A human being essentially should have shame, and should have modesty, and should have dignity, and shouldn't walk around like a tramp. Right. But but if they, even if they do, so there, there, there's a shame involved. Therefore, you're not allowed to say... Okay. Saying so that was the answer. The pasuk is coming to tell me you're not allowed to read the Shema. Shema, you have to read. You can't think the Shema. The mitzvah of reading the Shema, you could only you can't do that if there's nakedness. And he says not only nakedness of a Jew, even nakedness of a non-Jew. So that's why I need the dover. But when it comes to the early part of the pasuk, that your camp has to be holy. That's referring to even because. Jews are always thinking, the soldiers are always thinking words of Torah. Your mind never goes empty. So even thinking words of Torah would not be allowed if your camp became one big toilet and one big bathroom and everyone was constantly just going out the tent and, and relieving themselves right outside, as most people would do. That's why the Torah says you have to leave the camp and take a shovel with you. You have to designate a space for a bathroom outside the camp and take a shovel, you should even cover it up. So to make sure your camp should be holy, so you're not allowed to even think words of Torah. But when it comes to Shabbos, the only thing that's prohibited is speaking. So the Gemara says, You're saying you're not allowed to speak business on Shabbos? They both say, you're allowed to talk about the business of Shabbos, of it's a mitzvah, calculation. Like you call the aliyah, right? You're selling the aliyahs. You're bidding. You're doing business on Shabbos. You're talking money. Or you're selling mitzvahs. Who's going to do this? How much money? Every shul does that. They live off that. Right. So you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to allocate charity to poor Shabbos. You're allowed to specify a sum and say clearly. Divide the charity funds. This one will get so much, this one will get so much so. You're allowed to attend to matters involving danger to life and to matters involving the public on the Shabbos. And when we may go to the synagogues to attend to affairs of the public on the Shabbos, you're allowed to hold public meetings on the Shabbos. To deal with such matters. You're to go to the amphitheaters, the theaters, the circuses, the basilicas, the basilicas, like different types of palaces where official meetings were held. In other words, even though they were, they were meant for public entertainment, mm. they were also used for civic meetings. So you're allowed to go to attend the fairs that deal with for the public, for the, for the, for the benefit of the public. Mm-hmm. In other words, first they would meet 
in the shuls to figure out a strategy. Then they would go to the broader public area, which wasn't necessarily only for Jews, to join in in this public discussion on Shabbos, which affected the community. And to see it on the community's behalf. So you, might, so you see you're allowed to talk about business on Shabbos. Why you say you're not allowed to? So your mother says, I'm a karad. Your mother answers, I'm a karad. It says in the positive, and if only your own personal business you're not allowed to. The prohibition is only your own private business. But if, if it involves a mitzvah, like preparing for the mitzvah itself. But I can't do business in my own business, even though, well, I'm making business because I plan my business. I'm going to give money to tzedakah. I'm going to pay off the mortgage in the Chabad house. No, no, no. That doesn't give you permission to talk about business on Shabbos. It's actually if you're talking about business. I mean, this aliyah is going this. I'm giving to the shul. I'm giving to the poor person. That, that, that's allowed. The calculations. What is to you? And what of it? Meaning? Meaning things that have no practical consequences. What significance does it have? He says, if someone wanted to build a house, how much would it cost? He's having a conversation. You know, how much would it cost? You know, it's not practical. I'm run, doing any real business. I'm just theoretically discussing. What would it be? What is it to you? What of it? So that you're allowed to talk on Shabbos. Mutal Chazum Shabbos. Tan Namiyach, we also learn the Braise. Even though, because. So, because it's like idle chatter. I'm not doing business. I'm not doing any business. I'm just talking in general. Now, in general, it says in general, said told his mother, a person should speak, should minimize mundane speech on Shabbos. Shabbos, you should dedicate to Hashem. It should be Shabbos Lashem. Don't, don't, don't spend your whole Shabbos just talking idle chatter. You know, shooting the breeze. Even though I'm not doing anything prohibited, you should focus your speech, learning and davening. But you're allowed to speak. Don't do it excessively, but it's allowed. is calculation of things that happened in, in the past. Or things that will happen. Mm-hmm. Also, you're not allowed. You can't. You can't discuss things in the, things in the past. How much the, the the project cost you, or how much your future undertaking is going to cost you. That you're not allowed to do. Shalmaloch, the shalmabakach, and then uh, we continue on the next page. Shalmabakach you are allowed to calculate. So what, what's the difference between the two? So the Gemara itself will ask the question. It seems to, he just seems to contradict himself. 
I'll ask you a question. We learn without to make calculations that are not needed. But things that you need, you're not allowed to mention on Shabbos. Ketzad, he expels it out. How is this? A person could say to his friend, I spend this amount of money to hire so many workers in this field. This is what it costs me to buy to buy this house. He's not allowed to say to him, I spend so and so much money, and I'm going to spend so much money, so and so much money. So, I have to talk about something that happened in the past. It happened in the past. It's done. It's a history. Right. But you're not allowed to say, this is what I spent in the past, and this is what I still have to spend. Right. Because then you're still in the middle. You still haven't spent it yet. So, so you're, you're, you're talking about business, a practical business. You're not just talking a story, relating a story. That's forbidden. So what do we see from here? The Bryce says, no, you can't just talk about things that happen if you also mention that I'm going to spend, and I'm going to spend so much and so much money that you're not allowed to. But if it's something that happened in the past, I am allowed to. Right? And we just learned, the previous Braisa that we just learned said that you're not allowed. Cheshboinus, calculations of the past and the future are not allowed. So he says, calculations of the future are not allowed. This Braisa says, calculations of the future of the of the past, I am allowed. So it's a contradiction. According to you, you can ask from that Brisa, the previous Brisa in itself. It's a contradiction of the opening, the beginning of the Brisa, and the end of the same Brisa. Because the Brisa first starts with you're not allowed to talk about calculations that happened in the past. And then he says, but Malach, Allah, what is it to you? Things that don't really matter, you are allowed to talk about. Things of the past don't really matter, it happened already. Right. So how do you explain the Brisa? Elohom. You have to say, when he says things that happen, he's talking about a case, we still have to pay them. Yes, it happened in the past. They worked in the past, but he's still in the middle of paying them. He didn't pay them yet. That you're not allowed to talk about because now it's still practical for you. It's your personal business. But when are you allowed to talk about my love if it's not relevant anymore? It's done. If the work was done, I already paid them. I'm just telling you something that happened yeah. in the past. That you're allowed. This was in the Yeah, that you're allowed. And that's the same thing that the, Braise, the second Braise said. That if it's totally in the past, that you're allowed to, you're allowed to uh, speak about in Shabbos. Okay, go back to the Mishnah. It says in the Mishnah, huh. you're not allowed to go and walk to the border, the boundary, to wait till nightfall. For the purpose of hiring workers. For the purpose of doing something you're not allowed to do in Shabbos. Mm. The rabbis learned, there was a story with a chassid. 
a hole was breached in this fence. And he decided on Shabbos that after Shabbos he's going to breach the fence. He's going to fence the breach. And then he reminded, Oi, I thought about business on Shabbos. And the Chazid decided, you know what? Since I thought about it on Shabbos, wow. therefore I'm, not gonna, I'm never going to fix this breach. Even though it wasn't prohibited. But being a Chazid, who's so in tune with Hashem, since Hashem didn't only stop action on Shabbos, not only did Hashem stop speaking about work on Shabbos, Hashem is not even thinking about work on Shabbos. So therefore, being a chassid is tuned in with Hashem, I, a Jew doesn't even think about business on Shabbos. And therefore, he felt as if he desecrated Shabbos by thinking about business on Shabbos, fixing his breach, he desecrated Shabbos. So this, this is how he's going to do Teshuvah. This is going to do true, because any work of Shabbos is not allowed to benefit from it. So he says, this, this thing that so. I was thinking about work on Shabbos, I'm not going to benefit from it, I'm never going to, going to fix this breach. Yeah. So Hashem rewarded him. And that's a that's a miracle happened. Also, a caper tree grew in this breach. Men, oh. and, and not only did the caper tree fix the breach, Hashem fixed the breach for him, but from the caper berries, he was able to live, and him and his family and his children were able to live wow. from this caper berry, <laughs> being a true chasm. Wow. A person is allowed to tell his friend, I'm going to a certain city tomorrow. Even if it's the city is outside of the boundaries, outside of the quarantine, outside of the boundaries, you're not allowed to go and shabbos. Why are you allowed to tell him that? Because if there are huts, Intervals between this city, our this his city and the city he's planning to go to. Hey, look, he's allowed to go. In other words, there could be a, a a way which he would be allowed to go in Shabbos, even though it's past the tchum. Because if there's a hut, every every um, every little bit within seven seventy and two thirds of Amos, seventy and two thirds Amos. So it's like if there's a hut within uh, like 106 feet, 106, 107 feet of the city, and there's a hut after a hut after a hut within, again, within 106, 107 feet, one hut after the other, then the city extends. Mm -hmm. So the tchum is not over. So theoretically, there is a possibility where you could go walk all the way to that city. So then theoretically, there's a way you can walk to the city without violating Shabbos. Even if there isn't a hut, I'm allowed to mention to my friend that I'm going to to this uh, city after Shabbos. Mm. Okay, now we're going to discuss. So Shmuel said. That the, the ban to prepare, to perform a, a forbidden act on Shabbos is only if, if you're allowed to do it on Shabbos itself, then it's not, there's no ban. It's only something you're not allowed to do on Shabbos, itself, like to hire workers on Shabbos. I'm not allowed to hire workers, so I can't say explicitly, you know, go hire workers. But to say something that I'm going to do something that I'm allowed to do on Shabbos that you're allowed to do and you're allowed to even even prepare 
yourself for it. So the Gemara is going to challenge us. Now we learn a Mishnah. In our Mishnah we learn you're not allowed to go at nightfall to the Shabbos boundary for the purpose of hiring your workers or bringing fruits. So we understand why you're not allowed to go to the boundary to be ready immediately Shabbos is out, is over to go hire workers because Shabbos you're not allowed to hire workers so I can't do an activity on Shabbos that prepares any preparation that will prepare me to do something I'm not allowed to do on Shabbos so by walking on Shabbos to the boundary to the border I'm preparing for something I'm not allowed to do on Shabbos and that you're not allowed to prepare for something you're not allowed to do on Shabbos Ella, but to bring fruits why what's the problem Lema, yes, okay, it's beyond the boundary. You're not allowed to bring fruits beyond the boundary, but still, Lema, Shimyesha, Mechitas, maybe. You can say the same thing you just said. If there were walls, I would be allowed to carry. Just like you told me now, I'm allowed to prepare and say I'm going to go to travel and visit the city after Shabbos. Why? Because theoretically there's a way that it would be possible that even on Shabbos I'll be allowed to walk to that city. If you had booths, every 70 Amas and two-thirds of an Amma. So here the same concept. So that, therefore, even if there's no booth, since theoretically it would be possible, so I'm preparing for something that would be permissible. So even if there's no booth, it's okay. So here say the same thing. Theoretically, there is a scenario where I could bring the fruits in from beyond the border if there were walls mm-hmm. and the walls extended. So it's within, it's within the boundary of the city. The boundary of the city extends and there's walls I'm allowed to carry. So therefore, since theoretically there could be a way for me to carry fruits, even though there aren't any walls, I should say that I would be allowed to prepare to, for, for this activity. Mm-hmm. And for the Gemara, the Gemara says, you're talking about, you know what kind of fruits we're talking about? <laughs> fruits that are attached to the ground. There's no way in the world you can take these fruits on Shabbos. You're not allowed to harvest. You can't cut fruits from, from the ground. That's what he means, fruits. Mm-hmm. If he's saying you're not allowed to stand by the border if the fruits are not attached. And you're right, you would be allowed to go to the border and plan and prepare for it on Shabbos and be ready the moment Shabbos is out to go mm-hmm. get the fruits. But to cut fruits, to harvest fruits, to pluck the fruits, that you're not allowed. Mm-hmm. I can't prepare on Shabbos to do something I'm not allowed to do on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to go uh, wait by nightfall at the boundary for the purpose of bringing processed straw, whole straw. So, we could understand whole straw. You're talking about the straw is attached, so you're not. And after Shabbat, the moment after Shabbat is out, you want to go and cut the cut the straw. So you're not allowed to prepare on Shabbos to do something you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. So you can't prepare and go to the borders of the second Shabbos is out. I'm going to go and I'm going to cut. Elatevin, process straw. It's already cut. It's already detached. So why wouldn't I be allowed to prepare? Hechem Ashkach is Allah. Why wouldn't that be allowed to be? I'm, I, I'm not preparing for something that's prohibited on Shabbos. It's already detached. The only thing is, it's carrying. Because it's, be, it's carrying and it's beyond the boundary. But theoretically, it could be walls. 
theoretically there is a way, a possibility for, for it to be a permissible act. And we said earlier, Shmuel said, even something that theoretically could be a permissible act, even if it's practically not, I'm allowed to prepare for it on Shabbos. I would be allowed to go to the boundary in the moment Shabbos is out to go and bring it in. So why does he say, why does the Rabbi Ishi say you're not allowed to? And for the Gemara, Rabbi Ishi is talking about betivna sarya, foul-smelling straw. This is mukta. This, you're not allowed to move. It doesn't matter if you had walls, if you had this. Foul-smelling straw, people put aside. So they completely reject it. It's mukta. You can't touch it on Shabbos. So there's no way. So therefore, by going to the boundary, I'm preparing myself to do something I'm not allowed to do on Shabbos. Pick up this muktza straw, foul cells, smelling straw, and that you're not allowed to do. I'll bring you a proof. Mother's still not convinced <laughs> that Shmuel is correct. I'll bring you a proof. We learn. You're allowed to go to the border to be ready when Shabbos is out. To attend to the bride and to attend to the uh, deceased person. Here, there's some weddings, in the, you know, say Shabbos weddings. Mm-hmm. So you have to, the moment Shabbos is out, you have to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed to prepare yourself, whatever you're allowed to do on Shabbos, that the moment Shabbos is out, like go to the boundaries, and the moment Shabbos is out, you, you can go and take care of the kala, or if you have to bury some. So what do we see from this? The only thing you're allowed to, the Braise says, is for a mitzvah to bury the dead and to, to marry off the bride. Hmm. But for, the, for any other affairs, you're not allowed to. If there's no mitzvah involved, you're not allowed to. So whatever you would be allowed to do for the kala, you're not allowed to do for someone else. So he explains. Now, bishloima acher doing the kala. It makes sense you're not allowed to prepare for another person if it's similar to the things you do for a bride. Mashkach is also. You can't wait nightfall to cut down for him a myrtle branch. Because he can't cut on Shabbos. Detach it. So you can't wait nightfall the boundary mm-hmm. for the purpose of cutting a branch after Shabbos. But for the bride, you are allowed. Mm. For a bride, you are allowed. Because that was the custom. You know, cut fresh flowers for the bride. So that was the exception. For a mitzvah, they allowed it. Elemais mayninu. But in the case of a deceased person, what is the preparation to which the mission refers to? If you're talking about if it's to bring so what we have to say, it means to carry, to carry the coffin, to bring the coffin, and to bring, to bring the shrouds. You're only allowed to do it for a dead person, because it's a mitzvah, to bury him. Yeah. I can't do it for anyone else. But according to your Shmuel, you should be allowed to do it. Why? Because theoretically, I can make walls, mm-hmm. and I can extend the boundary, and I can carry my lay machine yesha machitas maybe and for the gemara the gemara answers may snami mashkachas law by if by in the case of the dead uh, dead person also we're talking about lemigzaleg lime we're talking about if you have to cut you have to cut the shrouds for him mm-hmm. and there's no way in the world that you can do that on shabbos mm-hmm. 
So, so for a regular person, there's no way in the world I'll be allowed to do that. I would not be allowed to prepare myself to, for something I'm not allowed to do on Shabbos. I wouldn't be allowed to go to the boundary, to the border, just so the moment Shabbos is out, I can go and cut for my friend. Mm-hmm. I can't prepare on Shabbos anything I'm not allowed to do on Shabbos. But for a, for, for a corpse, to bury a dead person, I would be allowed to wait and prepare myself the most, the maximum that I could do and wait by the boundary the moment mm-hmm. Shabbos is out to go and cut the shrouds and make the shrouds. Okay, Mishnah, he quotes the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, But you're allowed to go to the border to guard his fields after Shabbos. Why? Because you would even be allowed to do that on Shabbos. You're preparing to do something that you, that's, that's permitted on Shabbos. This is permitted even though you didn't recite Abdullah. Before Havdalah, the moment Shabbos is out, you're, you're waiting by the border. You don't have a cup of wine or anything. You know, Havdalah, immediately you're going out to watch your field. You're not allowed to take care of your own business. Before you do Havdalah, you can't eat or do any work until you do Havdalah. Hmm. If you're going to say, well, he said Abdullah and Davening, you say Abdullah and Davening. And then I could do work after Abdullah and Davening. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, because the Mishnah said that he can wait. And, and to bring fruits in his hand. So if me, he thought fruits in the hand mean to pluck the fruits. How could you pluck the fruits? How could you do work before Abdullah? Can't do work. If you can say because he said it in davening, because it's not enough to say Abdullah in davening. You have to again make Abdullah in the cup, even though you mentioned Abdullah in davening. He's, he, we're talking right. about he made of dollar. He's in the middle of the field. He's right. standing at the border. Who has who has wine there? Right. Who says he's even allowed to carry it? Everything about it. You have nothing but Rabbi coming to Rabbi Benagit. Nothing but Rabbi explaining for Rabbi that he's standing. It's in the pressing season. The wine is available in the fields. <laughs> a unique case. Yeah, unique case. There's wine right there in the field. In the West, in Israel, we would say the following words after Shabbos. Before you make Avdallah in the cup, it's enough just to say, separate Avdallah He separates between holy and weekday and secular and mundane, and you can immediately do work. So therefore, also over here, it's no problem. Firstly, he said, if you said in davening is enough, yes, you have to make Avdol again. But you, regarding work, the moment you say Avdol in davening, or even if you just say, I'm Avdol, you can immediately go and do work. And that's Allah. Ravashi. Ravashi says, And I was the house of Kahana. He would say, He distinguishes between the holy and the mundane, and then he would go and chop wood. Even before. He made Avdallah on the cup. 
Okay, in the last part of the Mishnah, now we discuss the last part of the Mishnah. Klal Omer Abishol, stated a rule that whatever, whatever I'm allowed to tell someone else to do, I'm allowed to do and prepare on Shabbos for that. Which part of the Mishnah statement is referring to? If he's referring to the first part, which says, You're not allowed to mm-hmm. go to the border in order to hire workers right after Shabbos or to bring fruits. Mm-hmm. We continue on the top of page 151a. Then it doesn't make sense what he says. Whatever I'm allowed to tell others, I'm allowed to do. No. He should have said, whatever I'm not allowed to tell others, I myself am not allowed to prepare for that. Just like I can't tell others to hire workers. So I myself can't prepare on Shabbos to go to the boundary to be ready to hire workers the moment Shabbos is out. Right. He must be going on the second part of the mission, which says, which states, that a person is allowed to wait by nightfall at the border to watch his fruits and to bring fruits because these are activities you're allowed to do on Shabbos. Then he should have said, right. Whatever I'm permitted to wait at nightfall, I'm permitted to instruct. It's the opposite, whatever, since I, I'm myself. Just like I'm allowed to prepare for myself. I'm allowed to prepare myself and on Shabbos go to the border to be ready a moment after Shabbos to go watch my fruits, watch my fields that are beyond the border or to bring the fruits in that are beyond, beyond the Tchum Shabbos. I'm allowed to tell someone else to do it. If I'm allowed to do it myself, then I'm allowed to tell someone else to do it as mm-hmm. well. I can instruct a Jew to go ahead and do it, or a non-Jew to go ahead and do it. Right. So, so what is his phrasing doesn't make sense. as whatever I'm allowed to tell others, I'm allowed to do myself. What's he referring to? Really, is going at the end of the mission of Abishol. Right. But Abishol is referring to this point. Which the Mishnah, the Tanakhama didn't mention because he thought it was obvious. A person is allowed to tell his friend, We exchange, yes. You guard my fruit because it's within your boundary. You have fields that are beyond this boundary. So you say, but it's within your boundary. So you know what? You look out for my fields on Shabbos, protect my fields, and I'll protect your fields. Because the other person's fields are out of his tchum, but they're my tchum. So we exchange. Right. This is Rabbi Shol tells the Don't you admit that I'm allowed to tell my friend, you watch my field and I'll guard your field. Surely you say that's permitted. So therefore... Your general rule should be like this. Whatever I'm permitted to instruct, I'm permitted to wait now. Just like I can instruct my friend to watch my field for me, so then I myself can go and prepare myself on Shabbos to go to the boundary 
that the moment after Shabbos I should be ready to watch my field. Right. But it's still difficult. <laughs> okay, oh, what's still difficult? Klal, he makes a rule. He's coming to add something. He's coming to add to the case of the Mishnah. What's he coming to add? He's coming to include the rabbis taught in the Braith. You're not allowed to wait at nightfall at the boundary for the purpose of bringing back an animal that went beyond the border, the boundary. If it, why? Because you would have to carry the animal, and that's mukta. Mm-hmm. The, it's not a problem of carrying because like we said earlier so because isn't carrying on Shabbos how are you allowed to make a preparation on Shabbos for an activity that's prohibited on Shabbos you're not allowed to carry that's not a problem that wouldn't be a problem because there are scenarios remember we learned earlier there's a, Shmuel said there's a scenario which it would be permitted and even if technically that scenario doesn't exist, you would be allowed to make a preparation on Shabbos to do that activity. So there is a scenario you can carry the animal on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. You make walls. You extend the boundary and, and you make walls. Mm-hmm. No, but no, but then you also need walls so it should be carrying in a private domain. The boundary could be in a field. It could be, but it's not enough. To carry, you have to have walls. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, I can have walls. And I would be allowed to carry. But it's mukta. An animal is mukta. There's no way to get, to get over that. To get around that. So therefore, I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to make a preparation on Shabbos for an activity that's prohibited on Shabbos. To touch a mukta. So I can go to the border to be ready right after Shabbos to take my animal. Because mm-hmm. I'm preparing for an action that I would never be allowed to do on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Because the animal is mukta. But if the animal was standing outside the boundary, you can call it. If it's right outside, I can grab it, I can smoke it, and I can't go to get it, it's but I can call it. You whistle to it, and it'll come to you. That you're allowed. That you're allowed. Because mukta is only if you move it with your hand. I'm not moving around. I'm, I'm, I'm whistling to it. I'm speaking to it, and it's coming. That you're like. Klal, Klal, Abishol, made a general rule. Anything I'm allowed to instruct others to do, I myself are allowed to prepare to make a preparation to do that. I'm allowed to wait at nightfall by the boundary to take care of the kala, and to take care of the funeral for the dead, to, to prepare the coffin and the shrouds. And you're allowed to say to another person on Shabbos, go to this and this place after the Shabbos to get these items. In other words, when it comes, when it comes to a chasen, I mean a kala, and it comes to, to, uh, to the dead, you're allowed to tell him that after Shabbos you should obtain all these things. Right. Because they waived all the, 
all the prohib- all this prohibition they waive for the sake of a mitzvah. Mm-hmm. He can't bring it for you on Shabbos, but you can tell him on Shabbos immediately after Shabbos, mm-hmm. go ahead and, and 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 bring all these items for me. Right. And if you don't find it in this place, bring it from another place. If you don't, can't find it for $100, bring it for 200 coins. By asking the guy to buy, or the Jew to buy it for you, it's only permitted if you don't mention the total cost of the purchase. Mm-hmm. You don't say, that's what Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yaisi, son of Rabbi Huda, disagrees. You're not allowed to say 100 coins or 200 coins. He's arguing. Right. Everything else is permitted, but don't mention a specific, a specific price. Right. Or, you're not allowed to tell him a sum like uh, don't maximum you're allowed to spend is a hundred or two hundred and not more that you're not allowed to mention so we finished till the Mishnah right. tomorrow we'll continue the Mishnah everyone have a wonderful day thank you so much Barry.